I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today wherever you listen to your podcasts. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. It's a black swan event. It's something that only a handful of human beings on the planet predicted and no one listened to. It's a kind of Cassandra situation. Um, everything's topsy-turvy. Everything's different. There's barely a single aspect of our lives that is not in some way affected by the pandemic, right? Everything from if we work, where we work, how we work, how we eat, uh, when we eat, how we get groceries, and let's just get walk past the toilet paper question right now. Everything has changed. Everything has absolutely changed. And your instinct maybe to say that your employer brand changed. And I wonder, has it? Let's find out. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here, recording live from Chicago, as per usual, because I can't go anywhere. (laughs) Not that I'm really looking forward to going back out on the road or getting back on a plane anytime soon right now, but uh, yeah, it's Chicago, and that's how it's going to be. So hopefully you are where you are, and hopefully everything is good where you are, and there you go. Uh, As a reminder, if you have not subscribed to my newsletter, it is free, it is weekly, there's no pitching, it is just good information to help keep you up to date on what's happening in employer brand world. Uh, mostly I try to focus on articles outside the employer brand space. So that it's not the same old, same old you get everywhere else. It's a really, uh, some fresh stuff, fresh perspective, or at least I'm trying, right? I can't, I can't be that guy and say that everything is a fresh perspective because everything I do is fresh because I'm not that kind of narcissist. I have problems, but let's be fair. Narcissism is not really one of them. Anyway, so yeah, sign up for the newsletter. Go to employerbrand.news. Otherwise, um, I'm having a million conversations on my open office hours. So if you're interested in talking to me for 15 minutes, again, it's about asking questions about your employer brand, what's going on, what your situation is. You need a perspective. You need just a second set of eyes. You just want to bounce something off somebody. And then you need someone safe who isn't your boss and who's going to think maybe potentially you're an idiot. Um, and I've been there. Um, yeah, let me let me be that guy for you. So um, links in the show notes. Anyway, so what really changed? I mean, obviously everything has changed. So presumptively your employer brand has changed, right? You've, you know, we've, we've gone through this process where everybody has, you know, first off we went through like this, it's like the five, you know, stages of grief, right? We denied it. Oh no, this isn't really any problem. This is gonna be a two week thing. It's no big deal. We'll all be fine soon. Oh, we're not going to be okay. This is not going to be a two week thing. This is going to be a two month thing or, oh my goodness, they're closing schools. Oh my goodness, they're talking about closing schools next semester. Whoa, everything has changed. Okay, we're accepting these ideas. Maybe we bargained a little bit. Maybe we got a little angry. I don't I don't know how you live all the way. Um, and we accept it. Okay, great. Okay, things, 
recent change. Okay, let's figure out how to change it. And we've rolled out our leadership to say something inspirational because, well, frankly, we think that's what we can do. We've turned off our ads where people are shaking hands and standing side by side and very businessy arms across the chest kind of poses, right? That's business. I'm standing here. We're talking about business. I'm a serious business person, says the stock art. Uh, but I'm also shoulder to shoulder with someone. And obviously we are transmitting more information via germs and, and uh, <laughs> particulate in the air than we care to be thinking about at any given moment. So we got to turn all that stuff off. We got to turn off, you know, conversations about travel, conversations about hotels, conversations about restaurants, conversations about gathering parties. Uh, you know, it's a lot of pictures of Zoom and a lot of pictures of Teams and a lot of pictures of, of whatever various channels, blue jean type Skypey channels you use to kind of communicate to say, here, here's our team. Hey, look, we all have a cool coordinated background. Hey, when you put these images together, the, the background images form a bigger picture, which I thought was cool. I've seen that a couple times now. Uh, there's I mean, You've seen the goofy ones where someone recorded a movie and turned the movie into their backdrop for their video call so it looks like they're annoying them themselves. It's, you know, there's you got to love the creativity. I like the ones where it's not backdrops, it's you're leveraging the channel to be more creative. I've seen one where a guy is on a Zoom call with a bunch of coworkers and starts to hear a noise upstairs and it turns into a bit of a horror movie and there's a bit of a, a scare cut at the end. But you know, you're watching these six other people going, what are you doing? Why are you going? I don't know if that's a good idea and kind of ramping up the emotion and you know, kind of like being in a theater when you know it's a horror movie and you know something bad's about to happen. I, I thought that was great, really leveraging the channel to play a good prank. Um, I myself am becoming well known for having a set of orange googly eyes I put on my fingers to make it look like a Muppet. Um, I like it when it appears on the top of the screen out of nowhere. I have literally scared my little sister out of her chair by doing that. It was great. Anyway, we're all kind of managing this process. We're all showing the stuff that we're doing. We're all showing our brand new reality, right? Is an employer brand supposed to be authentic, right? We've talked about that. Oh, authenticity is the magic word. We have to be authentic, which of course is code word for uh, the nicest possible version of what we're really doing, right? We all know that authenticity is not actually authentic. God forbid. It's um, very much the, the 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 best case scenario of life uh, in any given situation, which is too bad. But there you go. So, has our employer brand changed? And that, that that's what I want to get into. I want to get this idea that. If everything has changed, has our employer brand changed too? Well, let me ask this question. Let me pull it back a little bit. Yes, it's a black swan event. Yes, no one, this is insane. This is something that none of us have ever expected or seen before. This is something that we hadn't predicted for. Chances are most of us have no way considered that this would be anything like this. You know, maybe a, you lose a couple of days or maybe two weeks. That was even, <laughs> I remember the time, the two weeks felt kind of like, really, we're all gonna stay home for two weeks? Really? And now it's like, <laughs> we're finishing week six going, you know, you're kind of hitting that stride as a marathoner going, okay, I just have to keep saying, I just have to keep saying, just keep one foot in front of the other, just keep swimming, right? We're grappling with that stuff. But I'm going to ask you this, have you changed? I mean, really, have you changed? The fact that you work at home when you might have gone to an office before, the fact that your significant other is with you all the time, or you're all alone 24-7 for weeks at a time with the exception of occasionally getting a glance of the pizza guy or girl kind of bringing you some food now and then or when you're standing in line to go to the grocery store um, staying six feet apart and really not engaging in much conversation or much human interaction, you know, have you changed the fact that you're, you're, you're alone like that so much more than you used to be? Have you changed because your, your child or your pet is always around you all the time? Have you changed?
Because I, I don't think you have. I mean, I don't think I have, but of course, it's really hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. So maybe my wife would tell you that I've absolutely changed and I'm a completely different person, but I don't know that she would. I think there are plenty of things about me that have come up. I mean, we all if you don't know me, I'm kind of a project guy. I don't like to be bored. I don't... I can easily wallow into a, a, a pile of Netflix, you know, kind of driven conversation and, 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 and interactions, but I don't want to. I don't like it. I don't, it doesn't make, doesn't make me feel good. I would much rather, I'm the guy when my wife and daughter go away to see a grandparent or see a relative that I don't have to go to, that I go ahead and I take all my closets apart and clean them out and resort them and reorganize them and put them all back together. And I think that's a good day. I love projects. Has the pandemic made me not love projects? No, it makes me love them more. I'm working on all these projects. I'm rearranging my pot lids, for goodness sake. Yeah, you didn't realize I was going to end that sentence with the word lids, did you? No, you didn't. You're welcome. Um, they did criminalize, so who's to say? Of course I can't get out of the house. You know, I think I'm still me. I think I'm probably a little more annoying than I used to be simply because I'm around, you know, my wife and my daughter a little more than I used to be or a lot more than I used to be. I don't think my daughter's changed. I think she's grappling with some interesting things. I don't think my wife has changed. I think she's, this is not an ideal situation for her. She's a little more um, social. She likes uh, scenery change more than I do and needs it a little bit more than I do. So she's kind of getting antsy. And so she's finding a way to coping it. But is she a different person? I don't think so. So ask yourself if you're a different person, because I don't know that you really are. I, I'm trying to think of a situation in which you actually become a different person. Now I can consider if someone relatively close to you has died because of COVID or had some sort of, you know, some sort of whether a direct or indirect reaction to this whole pandemic situation has uh, had their life turned upside down. You know, if you're homeless or jobless and you have no sense of the future and you have no sense of how you're going to make ends meet tomorrow, have you changed? I mean, I've been unemployed before. I've been kind of in a situation where I'm not sure what the next step is and I feel a little antsy about it. I still feel like I was me. Right. I just still feel like I was still me. My circumstances had changed. My my context had certainly changed. But had I? I don't think I have. And if, so I, I'm really asking one more time, have you changed? And I'm, I bet, I'm going to bet for the most part, most people listen to this, I'm going to say, you haven't right? The context is revealed in the same way that if you take a fish out of the water and stick it on dry land, it's still a fish. It just is having some situational changes. So there are situational problems. Suddenly they have bigger problems to grasp other than being eaten by a larger fish. Now they're just trying to grasp, gasp for air. Put them back in the water. They're still the fish, right? Change presumes that you don't immediately change right back the second the context flips back. We're not all holding our breath waiting. I mean, this has been six weeks now and it seems to be going on for quite a bit longer unless you're in Atlanta or Georgia and what the hell's going on there. That's a separate conversation. We can't hold our breath for this long. We can't. We are accepting. We're learning to deal with this change. So have you changed? And I'm going to suggest that you haven't. Why on earth am I asking this? Well, because in a way, and I've said this many times and maybe you've heard it many times, an employer brand, dealing with an employer brand is kind of like doing corporate therapy. It's kind of like trying to understand the personality of a business. It's trying to extract and distill what the company's all about because 
what it's all about dictates how people interact with it. If I'm going to be a complete introvert, like I can, I'm so shy, I can't engage with people, and I, I, I don't like people, I don't like being around people, I don't like being touched by people, I don't like being seen by people, I'm going to have a certain personality. Stick me in a room with a lot of people, I'm still going to be me, and I may hold my breath, I may put on a smiley face and engage with people, but all I'm doing is waiting for these people to leave the room or letting, or more of the point, maybe me leaving the room and being able to go back to who I was. That, the fact that my context changed didn't mean that I changed. Businesses are the same way. Their context for changing, if you distill this idea of what a person is and what it's like to work with them, that is that changing despite the context. And I think at the center, in the same way that employer brand is about therapy, an employer company is kind of like a person and not in a legally binding can vote, can, you know, free speech kind of way, but more in a, they tend to react very organically. They tend, organizations tend to react as a person might, you know, filled with all the different personalities, filled with all the different motivations and attributes and drivers and things they care about and things they don't. They kind of end up having their own personality, right? Like a person would. You could talk about IBM in the 70s and 60s having a personality. It was a white button-down shirt, short sleeves, black tie. That was IBM. That was who they were. They embodied that personality. It wasn't just the clothes, but that clothes really distilled this idea that they were a little nerdy, but very much serious. That was all they were. We're here to manage the data and help you compute some, push some numbers around. That's what we're here to do. We're safe. We're not interesting. We're not necessarily the most amusing person in the room. If you brought us to a party, we would not be the center of attention. We are, that's IBM. That's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be the safe choice anything without anything you do. That was the personality of the company and the personality of the people who work there embodied that personality. Maybe if they fired everybody and hired a bunch of hippies to go take those jobs, the company would change. In fact, I, I would suggest that it probably would. But since that didn't happen, even as people left and new people came in, people who came in were attracted to this idea of stability, this idea of sane, safe choices, you know, very stable work environment. Um, you know, nobody chooses, nobody got fired for choosing IBM kind of mentality. They weren't the drivers of change per se. They weren't the ones pushing the boundaries hard and fast. They weren't the Facebook of their time. They were simply the purveyors of the new utility and much like the people who you know manage your power and water, it, they, they treated it like a utility, an expensive one certainly, but it was just safe and stable. It was there to be always on kind of situations. The personality of the company kept being reinforced because what people saw in it was what they were attracted to, and because they were attracted to it, they tended to reinforce it when they came on. Now that's IBM, but it's true of every company. Facebook, Google, uh, a hospital, a bank, right? You don't hire a crazy person to work at a bank unless you've decided to actively try and change the culture by bringing in a brand new element. Most people who work at banks, again, really about fairly steady, you know, that's really what they're about. Yes, the work they do is interesting and engaging and they like doing it, but it's not about necessarily 14-hour workdays. It's not about, hey, everybody, I'm bringing 40 pizzas in. We're going to go power through a 48-hour hackathon. That's not really how most fintech works. Certainly, not, maybe some fintech, though, but mostly banks don't work that way. Hospitals don't work that way. They like knowing what the outcomes are going to be. They have enough variability in life that you know, the, the working you know, kind of situation tends to be very staid. You know, compare that to a startup, compare that to a Facebook, compare that to Amazon. There's so many different ways to look at that personality of the company. But it is a personality. And so I wonder, 
did the personality change? Because if the personality, much like a person, doesn't change, maybe the context changes and they respond in a certain way to that context, to that stimulus, as it were, sure, they're going to react differently. Like, like the fish, if the fish is going to breathe water and you pull it out of the water, the fish isn't going to suddenly breathe air, it's going to look for water. Its situation has changed, but ultimately it's still a fish. Companies are still companies. And maybe that means that brands are still brands. Now, before I attack this idea a little bit, or even beat it up a bit, I want to kind of flip it over. Because I know so many people who are talking as if, well, gosh, the pandemic has really changed our employer brand. And I want to ask a serious question. Has it? Has it really changed your employer brand? My thinking is currently, and it's still current, I'm still kind of putting it together, I'm still baking it, but I, you know, this is why you join, you know, listen to this particular podcast, is because there is still thinking to be done. And that's this idea that if you have to change your employer brand in light of a situational change, maybe you didn't actually have an employer brand, or maybe you didn't actually understand what your employer brand was. An EVP, or employer value proposition, the reason people want to work for you, doesn't suddenly change. You know, as someone who occasionally sells employer brands or EVPs or builds of EVPs, um, I try to suggest that these things should live two to five years, but frankly, they should probably live a lot longer than that. I think it's a very rare instance, maybe except in a very clear pivoting of a company, that the employer brand really rad makes any kind of clear and radical change over the course of 10 years. I'm going to go back to IBM because apparently I got IBM on the brain. IBM in the 80s was failing. It was all, you know, nobody wanted to buy enterprise software. You had Compaq and all these other companies saying, look, we can supply all this exact, almost exactly the same hardware at a huge discount. Why do you need those guys and their huge premiums? And they had a leadership change and they had a serious, serious strategy change and a, 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 a intentional kind of culture change to survive that. Now, that change took years. We're talking three to five years to make IBM turn the corner. And you go ahead and read, uh, was it Dancing with Elephants or How to Elephants Dance or How to Make Elephants Dance or one of those. Lewis Gerstner, he, he did the change. It's his book. He's the CEO of IBM who made that change happen. Um, that doesn't happen very often. When you do it right, you write a book, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> most companies are thinking, I want to make that happen. And the truth is they don't know how or don't really want to. They want to say they do because it seems interesting, but they don't. That was a sidebar. We didn't need to get into that. But, I, but truly, to ch make a ch company change like that takes a long, long, long time. When I, Take Google. Everybody knows Google, obviously. When Google 20 years ago, think about it, Google near 2000, you know, it hadn't launched uh, Gmail yet. It had, I think it just had launched Maps or a very early iteration of Maps. Um, you know, there were a couple of cool things it was doing. It hadn't launched News just yet. I think that came in 2001, right after 9-11. Um, some of the stuff that you think of outside of the search platform itself as being core pillars of what Google is all about hadn't been invented yet. They were still inventing the future. They were still challenging the idea of what does a search engine look like. At the time, you know, you had Yahoo's and Hotbots and uh, Ask Jeeves and all these other places that were portals. This idea that, hey, people are going to come here to search for something. I'm going to force feed them like a goose being turned into foie gras. All these banner ads and news articles and, and marketing opportunities. I'm just going to make my page as, as convoluted and chaotic, chaotic as humanly possible. You go and do screen grabs of Yahoo in 2000, 2001. 
It is a nightmare of design. It is a nightmare of Rococo overthought through, jam-packed, shoehorned in with a lever kind of levels of design. How much can we jam into this? This How, how do you make one pixel look like 20 kind of thinking? And then here's Google with a clean white sheet of paper. There's a single logo, a single search bar, and two buttons, and that's the end of it. Heck, they haven't gotten to the point where they're making Google Doodles yet. It was the cleanest, fastest loading site ever. They bragged about how fast their search results came in. They really were challenging the notion of what is a search engine. Of course, they hadn't even gotten to the point where they were dictating terms around search engine optimization. Frank, frankly, the term itself was still just only the really hardcore nerds really understood what it you know, even meant, search engine optimization, SEO. They were changing the world. Joining Google at that point was a was a, a choice to say, I don't know where this is going, but man, there's some really smart people here and we're gonna try new things and we're pushing the boundaries and we're willing to, to, to do smart things. They hadn't even launched ads yet. They probably weren't even profitable yet. And people said, this is a, this is a company that could potentially change the world. Now, fast forward to 20 years from then, which is today, and it's a fairly stable place to work. All the big pillars of who they are, Android, um, you know, the, the, the you know, news, Gmail, um, oh gosh, what else? I mean, there's so many different things Google's great at, Hangouts and the chats and so many different things it can do. There's not really a lot of new innovation coming out of Google proper, right? It's minor tweaks to this, or hey, we're letting more people show up to a Hangout at a given time. They're adding features. They're, they're that Microsoft 1997 kind of mode, or like, okay, we own the market, so let's just go ahead and tack on features so people keep coming back. They're not inventing the future in the same way that they were 20 years ago. Now, that's not a knock on Google. That's a pretty natural evolution of how a company exists. They get a little more mature. So the person going to Google today is not necessarily the same person who goes to Google 20 years ago because Google is different. But that is a 20-year gap between being a company that was trying to change the world and really owning that banner of you know, uh, organizing the world's information to being one where it seems to be about how many ads can we serve someone in so many different places. And I'm not knocking Google. I love Google. I legitimately love Google. I love, I'm on Gmail. I'm, I use Maps. You know, that's, it's not a knock. It's not. It's just simply who they are. So they're attracting a different kind of person to reinforce that change. But again, 20 years is a huge shift. So I'm going to ask you, in the six weeks since we had to go into lockdown and when you realized COVID was serious, has your brand actually changed? And I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out in the line. If you think your brand has radically and fundamentally changed in the last six weeks, I'm going to go ahead and say that you did not know what your employer brand was. If you think your EVP has changed or needs to be changed to respond to this new situation, I'm going to say you didn't have an EVP. You had a tagline. You had a, a hashtag. You had fashion, to be perfectly blunt. It wasn't something that had deep research. It wasn't something that had deep understanding of what people wanted in this company. It was a set of perks. It was a set of, and we talked about culture two weeks ago, right? This idea that, hey, everybody's here because it's a lot of money and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. How much fun do you have sitting in your dining room every day, not engaging with people? Is that still the culture? Is that still the company? So if your EVP needs to be reinvented because of six weeks of activity in the real world, which to be fair is unprecedented levels of changes, certainly within our lifetimes, maybe you can go back to Spanish flu, maybe you can go back to bubonic times, right? <laughs> That's what we're talking about, right? It is unprecedented within our lifetimes. And yet you haven't changed. And if you haven't changed, 
that means the people around you haven't changed. And that must mean that your brand really hasn't changed. How you do things might be slightly different. You might be adapting to new contexts, but has your brand really changed? And if you think your brand has really changed, like I said, I think you've done it poorly. I think you've missed a, a step in the process of truly understanding what your employer brand was all about, what you were offering people. And uh, I'm not telling you you're a bad person or dumb or you did a crappy job. I'm simply saying is when every, let's be fair, we had eight years, eight plus years of just amazing growth. The economy kept growing all around the world, almost everywhere. The, 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 uh, the, let's talk about the 3% unemployment rate. The talent fights were so tight. Everybody wanted, you know, everybody wanted to hire people. Everybody was looking to hire people. If your brand was all about we're growing, well, guess what? That's perfectly reasonable, but the truth is everybody was growing on a lot of levels. I mean, not everybody, obviously. There were losers in this process, but for the most part, a lot more winners than losers. Or the winners who were winning were winning in a lot higher level than the losers were losing. Everything was growing. There was less and less talent. There was less and less, you know, everything was growing. And in that situation, when everything's great, you don't have to worry about it. It's kind of like taking a photo. If you take a photo or take a video and you've got a decent camera, and the light's just great, like that golden hour right before sunset where you're getting that glow everywhere and it's kind of killing a lot of shadows or the shadows are just enough to create just enough contrast to create some drama. Anybody can take a great picture at that sun, in that light. Anybody with a decent camera, just point it, shoot it, click it, hope for the best. You're going to get something good. But it's someone who truly understands what a photo is and what their camera can do, who can take a picture in suboptimal conditions and create something close to art, to truly understand how far you can push the camera, what you can expect from the camera, to, to pick and choose how to use the light that exists, to really kind of embrace the constraints that are given to them to say, this is how I'm going to tell this story. That is a artist. That is someone who is good at taking photos. So I wonder, a lot of us, I'll throw myself under the bus a little bit. There have been days I've taken some shortcuts because I knew that everything was fine. Maybe I didn't know at the time. I certainly know it now. Um, I took some shortcuts because I knew it didn't matter. The light was great. I didn't have to sweat the camera details. The light was fantastic. The model I'm shooting was attractive, right? Whatever the situation, it was easy. It was easy. My child could have taken a good picture. Or at least my child could have taken a picture that I could have cropped to make look like a great picture, right? The, the raw materials were just too good. It's like making a meal when everything's fresh. It's so much easier when everything's fresh and everything's grown out of your garden and everything's organic and everything's, you know, everything's the juiciest and most flavorful thing it can be. You can just throw it into a bowl and throw a little olive oil on it and warm it up and it's probably going to taste pretty darn good. But what do you do when it's just really old leftovers and processed food and not the best stuff in your kitchen? What can you truly do then? And most of us were getting by with the freshest ingredients and calling ourselves chefs. So maybe it's time to kind of evaluate what we're doing. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not telling you're a bad person. I'm not saying you made a mistake. I'm just saying we weren't, there was not the pressure to go that deep before. We were good at good enough. The companies we worked for didn't know how to challenge us to ask for more. Getting a nice shiny employer brand or an EVP that made the leadership feel good was enough to move forward. But those days are gone. 
So I wonder if your EVP needs to change. You just haven't nailed down what your EVP was. You didn't do the process right. You didn't get enough research. You didn't get enough good data. You didn't take enough of a perspective. You didn't audit your competition enough. You didn't ask deeper, more meaningful questions of the people who work there. You didn't have a better understanding of where leadership was driving the company. You didn't understand what the talent you were desperate to have hire actually cared about beyond a paycheck, beyond a nice consumer halo. Well, that's what changed. It's not that your brand changed. Your brand is still your brand. The trick is you just may not have found it yet. You may not have distilled it properly just yet. Now, as I mentioned in the five stages of grief, (laughs) you can get angry at this. Heck, get angry at me. I'm the one who pointed it out. I'm that jerk, apparently. That's fine. That's totally fine. And like I said, I am, and to some extent, I am talking to myself. I am just as guilty in the past of having done that. I feel like I've gotten better since I've challenged myself. And this podcast has been an amazing way for me to challenge myself because I'm putting myself out there in ways that I'm like, well, if I'm an idiot, someone's going to speak up and tell me I'm an idiot. And by the way, that's exactly what's happened. Um, and for the better, I've gotten better because of it. So I'm passing that along to you. This is me telling you, here's the challenge. What worked in the past isn't going to work anymore. Putting a nice glossy coat of paint on the product and on the brand isn't going to be enough. Companies are failing. You are having, your circumstances have changed. It's not that your brand has changed, it's that you never really figured out what it was. Now for companies that realize that their brand hasn't changed, that potentially they have done their brand properly, the question is what has changed? Well, how you express it has probably changed. The channels you use, the messaging you use, the words you say, the photos you select on how to do all that stuff, undoubtedly that's changed. Again, right, you took off all the pictures of people shaking hands, people standing next to each other, people at parties, people being social. You got rid of a lot of that stuff. So you did change that. But the underlying message of what you offer and what your company is all about to a potential employee has not changed. You're still trying to change the world. You're still trying to develop leaders of the future. You're still here to give people prestige to say that I work at this company or that company. You're still providing a deep commitment to DNI or gender equality. You're still providing a level of stability. You're still providing entrepreneurial spirit or opportunity to try new things. You're still providing those things. How you talk about it has to be different because the world did change, right? Anybody here still dressing up to go to work every day just like they did like if they were going to go on the train or get in the car to commute? And I know people who still put on a nice shirt every day, but I'm betting they went to jeans. They downgraded their khakis to jeans or slacks to jeans. I don't know a lot of people wearing suits. I don't know where a lot of people wearing ties. I literally wore a tie to a, an internal meeting, but I wore it over a t-shirt as a joke just to be funny. Um, you know, that's just because I was being goofy and it was a Friday. What are you going to do? I think people have changed. The, the, you know, the person, the, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The people have changed, but how, haven't changed, but the stuff they do might have adjusted. They're still driven by what they're driven by, but how it gets expressed is going to be different. The context does change that expression, but it still doesn't change the underlying person, right? Isn't that the game that um, interviews, interviewers rather, and then um, personality assessments and, and, and talent assessment tools always say is that, it's not, the people generally don't change, right? And you can 
tap into their language and tap into their choices. And if you ask questions the right way and the right number of times, you can extract from them an understanding of what they're all about. And they apply it to some sort of methodology and some sort of framework that says, ah, you're an inventor or you're a harmonizer, you're a you know, an INTP or you're a whatever, I don't care, I don't know. Um, and again, I quibble with that stuff. But ultimately, this idea that people don't really change and certainly not very quickly and certainly not very often. It's just a job to kind of clear away some of the marketing called the resume and the, the pitches you make on an interview and get to something deeper. You have to do the same thing with your brand. You have to get past the obvious answers. You have to get. You have to stop being the hospital that talks about your commitment to caring for your 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 patients. Because you know, hey, show me the hospital that doesn't care about their patients. It's 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 table stakes. It's hygiene messaging. Every hospital cares about their patients. Every you know software company wants to be innovative. There isn't a pharmaceutical company who isn't here to save lives or and be innovative. That's what the company exists to do. So what's beyond that? That's where you can be and learn and, and, and understand what your employer brand is. And that's the stuff that doesn't change. And once, and I think this is a great opportunity, this pandemic, this situational change, is a great chance for you to apply a bit of a litmus test and say, is this brand that I'm inventing or thinking about or considering, would it be true two months ago as true as it is today? Right? If we're looking at those as the two potential extremes of con contexts, is it true when things were great and is it true when things are bad? If it is, well, then you're on the right path. If it's not, okay. Dig deeper. Because that's what's really changed. Our expectations of what an employer brand is, what an employer brand can do, it's not the website. It's not the tagline. It's not the hashtag. It's not the pretty pictures. It's not the social posts. It's not, it's not any of this obvious stuff. It's the stuff below the waterline that makes all those things work. Your employer brand is not a great video. Your employer brand is the personality of the company that suggests that you should make a video and what that, should video, what that video should talk about and how. That's what an employer brand really is. That's where it really lives. And that's where I think you can be challenged to say, that's where you should be focusing on. That's how you get there. And yes, it is a function of understanding what staff cares about. It is a function of understanding what leadership, where it's driving the company, what its intentions are, what the strategy is. And it is a function of what talent wants. And those things are not easy to come by. And even if you found them, you <laughs> the level of data or research you need to feel confident that those things are true and you didn't just stumble across a good answer that felt nice is hard to get to. That level of certainty is hard to get to. But as Emily Firth wrote in an article two weeks ago, the expectation that employer brand is not about tunnel or pipeline filling. It's not about funnel, top of the funnel filling. It's about something much more meaningful. And so you can't be allowed to sit at the table of strategy, and I mean corporate strategy, if you think your brand is just the stuff you put on the video and stuff you put on the website. It's so much more. And it has to be something that does not change even when the situation changes. So use this as an opportunity to say, how do I evaluate? How do I build something truly meaningful as a brand? To truly understand what my brand is, what my EVP is, what people care about, what people inside and outside see in that company and what they expect to get out of it. This is your chance to change, not just to change it because fashion says this is the new fashion, but to truly understand, to be able to test your skills as an employer brander when the food isn't always fresh.
and the light isn't always great. What can you do then? That's what's really changed. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. Thanks for leaving reviews. Thanks for engaging in the newsletter or pinging me or whatever. You know, I appreciate it. So we'll hear from you next week. If you have an idea for a podcast or have a question, just ping me. There are a million ways to find me. LinkedIn, Twitter, the website, all those things. Please do so. I love to hear from you. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk, that's linkedin.com slash in slash The War for Talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.